This episode of Jelly Trumpet is dedicated to my daughter, Finn, the game player. Welcome to Jelly Trumpet! Magnify Minify Part 2. What is she saying? Well, my translation app says she is scared. Many mini monokumas with laser weapons coming to kill. We must either. Golly, simply hundreds of the blighters, and they're destroying everything in their path with laser weapons. She says we must leave or die. This isn't like any computer games I play. Right, well, we, we need a plan. It's a moments like this. Science, Mr. B. Do some science. Well, I, I need a keyboard. Why don't you cook something, Monsieur Jim? C-Mac? Coming up. Yes, the show must go on despite the real possibility of death by laser-wielding mini Monokuma bears. The Startup, a micro-sitcom with Mary the Entrepreneur in The Entrepreneur's New Niche, Part 2. Mary is talking on Zoom to her bestie Bev about her new product line. You are seriously suggesting makeup for babies and calling it baby maker? Yes, I am, Bev. So when the baby goes on with their crying, dribbling, squinting, vomiting, balling up their fists... Oh, yes! Another product idea! What are you writing? Baby maker baby hand cream. Uncoil your baby cream. Moisturises and unblocks baby's fists. Look, I'm just back from the studio. Look at these promo photos! Oh, God, I am eating, you know. This baby is Giles. Just a hint of concealer for the dribbling. See, the dribble stain has vanished. Here's Caroline. See how the bronzer has made her look less pale and more interesting. Oh, oh God, what's that? That's Simon. Wrong shade of blusher. Shouldn't have used that one with his olive skin. It's a blusher called Fire in the Sky. He's more a pink flush with cinnamon undertones type of baby. Oh, he looks like a clown left out in the sun all summer teething problems which reminds me what does baby need most when teething paracetamol that's right baby maker makeup setting spray why well you don't want your hours of careful makeup application ruined by a baby in pain do you uh, look you know mary mary love i've known you since primary school reception class mary you know what you need? A copywriter, a developer, product testers, a website, email platform, SEO guru, social marketing mix, video, yes, lots of videos of baby maker children, venture capital, branding agency, a business coach, or oh, our own award ceremony. A breakfast bottle of Prosecco. Oh. If only I bought a keyboard. I could, uh, I could make a chili. C-Mac, Idas. Engaging mode. Stealth minus M4. Brilliant, just brilliant, your majesty. How come they didn't see us? Because, Mr. B, and I'm only going to say this once, your ultimate gizmo, C-Mac, has shrunk us down to the size of mice. I did wonder about the bagel suddenly looking so big. The girl's name is Kotoko, and she is the ultimate drummer. Oh, that's all we need, another one. What? What are you implying? You're not implying, are you? She says we need truth bullets. They might come in handy. Who? 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 Oh, no, that's bad. What? Now you sound like an owl. Who? 
Those teddy bear things are dragging the podcast to the mysterious looking black skyscraper. Right, follow me. We're the size of mice, Jim. That mysterious skyscraper is some distance away. I calculated it would take 18 hours. And then if we meet... Who? Don't start that again. Who? I told you. Anyone will be unable to defend ourselves. And another thing is we won't be able to open the podcast doors. We have mice-sized hands. What? Sorry, Your Majesty? She's saying, and I'm thinking, why don't you make us full size again? Yes, I, I just thought that too. Uh, C-Mac, uh, bigger please. C-Mac, enlarge. Enabling growth mode, G4. Hurrah, full size again. Right, I'm going to write something. I will do science with C-Mac. Yes, Kotoko, both of them. Counting down to interview countdown in 20 seconds. Hang on, I've got to write something. 15... I need... Got it! C-Mac, make bullets of truth! That's science, is it? Make bullets of truth, is it? Is it? Yes, Kotoko. We'll get on with it. I built C-Mac, you know, and I've downloaded and installed the whole of Wikipedia. Well, that explains everything. Well, yes, it does. It's Wikipedia. What? Everything is explained on Wikipedia. And Wikipedia says the game uses bullets of truth. Oh, and my entry says I'm a musician and a scientist. Mr B, we're in danger. We've lost Nigel and a whole podcast. What can we do? Well, what does my entry say? Well, I, I don't know. I've not read that far. Why don't I have a Wikipedia entry? One. Interview countdown. So, welcome to our guest this episode on Jelly Trumpet, David Baldwin from Baldwin and a design and advertising agency in Raleigh, North Carolina. Hello, David. Welcome. Hello. How are you? It's great to see you. It's good. It's good to see you. And it's good to talk creative stuff with you. So let's kick off. Question number one. What (laughs) is your business? I have a lot of businesses, but I, you know, at the end of the day, I'm a copywriter. So I um, have stumbled into uh, the appellation of entrepreneur because I have other businesses, but I have other businesses because I'm a copywriter. And uh, because I'm a copywriter and love brands, I've ended up creating other brands and, and using those skills to just do things that I'm interested in. So I'm an ad guy who also owns a brewery, who also owns a, a company that's doing social good for uh, getting black leadership in the boardrooms. And I'm in a band. It's a, it's a, lot, of, a lot of things, but it all comes back to me being a copywriter. That's interesting. An interesting start. We'll, we'll pick up more about that in the bonus, I think. So you're doing well. You're going to unlock the bonus question, I'm sure. So this is a question I love asking. and I'm really, really interested to see who it's going to be. So question two, who is your creative hero or heroine? Well, you know, in, in the adver- I, I'm going to stick to the advertising space for a second because I have a, a lot of heroes. But there's a guy named Howard Gossage, and I, you may have heard of him. Um, Howard Gossage was a, a, a figure back in the 50s and 60s who was an advertising an advertising man at a time when, you know, the Bill Birnbox and the George Loises were exploding in, in New York and doing this really big things. And Howard was actually in San Francisco and he's, he's kind of known as the philosopher of San Francisco. And he was decades ahead of everybody else at the time. And uh, there's a wonderful book called the book of Gossage. There's a book, uh, there's a book by a guy named Steve Harrison, who's a Brit, who's a really great writer himself, who wrote a book about Howard Gossage called the only fit work for a grown man. And uh, Howard, Howard led with his, he kept his creativity and his values in balance in a really powerful way. Right. That's an interesting, interesting one to check out. I do like book uh, mentions. 
Now, um, I suppose you're going to stock, stick to design and, uh, and your advertising. How do you go about starting a project? Well, you know, I, I, I think you need frameworks. I'm a big believer in frameworks and then sort of ignoring them, like using them as guideposts. So we have a lot of framework that, we, that we've developed at our company and a lot of it's through experience and all those things. But once you get the framework, then you, you kind of got to get out of the way and just get started. I, you know, I do think the, the biggest impediment to finishing anything is starting. Yeah. Um, because a lot of times you're starting without clarity and you just have to get going. And there, especially in the advertising and design world where you're like, you have an objective, but you, there are a million ways you can go with that. So, um, so what we do is always, what's the foundational, what are the foundational imperatives that we have and then go from there. And I personally, I want to know what the constraints are because I love constraints. Constraints are where creativity often comes from. It's that tension between what you can't do and what you need to get done where the opportunity often is. I love that. I love that about the, the business that I'm in. Excellent. Excellent. Very interesting. And it's similar to um, what others have told me uh, when I've talked about creativity. So this sort of continues on. I think you sort of mentioned it, question four. To what degree do you map out a project? I think we map out very much deliverables. We map out like deliverables and timing, and then we let the sort of, we leave a lot of room to allow for ma what I would think of as sort of madness, you know, <laughs> like whatever that framework that you have, like you've got to allow for madness. And, and then one of the things that we talk about a lot is steering into the fear, like where's the fear? What's the scary place in this, uh, in this endeavor? Let's go there. Let's go look at that and let's go spend some time in it. And what you find with fear is your, your fear is usually based on, you know, are we going to get this done for the money? Whatever those things are. But sometimes it's like this idea is scary because it's it's challenging. It's, you know, it's maybe hard to understand. And so you got to clarify it. Like, I love the idea of kind of madness and fear in the process. I like that. I like that a lot. Now, let's go on to, well, if you face the fear, how do you know when that project is finished? Well, this is the difference between art and advertising and design and other creative pursuits that are commercial. And that is that you have a deliverable date. Mm -hmm. And with art, you don't, you finish when it's done. Yeah. It might be done for in 10 years with what we do. I think of us as artisans, not artists. You know, we, we, we put a lot of art into what we do, but at the end of the day, we're making bookshelves and we want to make that bookshelf beautiful and or different. And unlike any bookshelf that's ever been made before, but it better damn well hold books when it's done. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and so yeah. that bookshelf is done on the, you know, is, is due on the 14th have a damn good, fine bookshelf. That's the most beautiful bookshelf ever done, done on the 14th. And I think that's what experience brings you is the ability to get good fast, you know, yeah. and to yeah. deliver good fast. And that's where a lot of younger creatives, I think, really struggle. Yeah, I agree with you. That sort of the time discipline thing is always, always very effective when it comes to creativity. But yeah. I, I love it. Again, the deadline is part of the, is part of the, um, what I was talking about with the tension and the, you know, tension constraints. Yeah. Okay. I like that. Now, this is another one I love asking. What's the best thing someone has said to you that kept you going when it was all a bit of a struggle? The, I think the best advice I ever got was from a guy named Donnie Deutsch, um, who I worked with in New York. And I asked him what his secret was. 
uh, when I was, I was struggling with something and he just said, you know what, David, at the end of the day, no one's no, no one knows what they're talking about. No one knows what they're doing most of the time. So if you're in a room, everyone's having the same imposter syndrome. Everyone's having the same, I don't know what to to do. And so why not you? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I love it. I absolutely love talking to you. Um, So, well, have you answered this one? Question seven we're on. Are you honest with yourself? No. (laughs) Absolutely not. Uh, you know, I think I'm the, I think I'm the smartest, most awesome person ever. Like, clearly that's not true. No, I, I think, uh, I think there are two kinds of being honest with yourself. There's sort of the deprecatingly honest and there's the, um, debilitatingly honest. And, uh, I'm, you know, I stay away from debilitating honesty. <laughs> Quite um, right. You'll get yourself into trouble if you don't. It certainly will, man. It certainly will. But no, I don't think I am. I mean, I think I'm as honest as I can be, and you know, yeah. with the tools that we have. Cool, cool. Now, what's the proudest you've been of one of your ideas? Can you narrow it down to one? I think one of the best, one of the best feelings I think in the sort of advertising business and it's better than like winning awards and I've won so many awards and like that walk up to the stage is this awesome thing but one thing that's like amazing is when a client tells you it sort of lives in a couple of dimensions but when a client tells you you really solved my problem and you made my company better with that idea that is that is like worth the price of admission of the whole like 35 years in the business thing you know what I mean like that's where you go okay I I I love that an idea can solve a problem and make things better for whoever you solved it for. And I I love that. The other is hearing an idea discussed in a public place, overhearing an idea that you had talked about. That is really, really cool. Even if the people go like, I hated it. It was terrible. You're like, wow, look at that. We made a dent, you know? (laughs) I love it. it. So what's, um, and you can talk about anything here. Um, what, What is your next project? Well, you know, I have so many things in the fire. We're we're about to launch a. Um, hey, when does this when does this podcast? It's going to probably go out near the end of the year. Okay, good. So um, we're about to launch a, a Mexican lager that we're calling Inauthentico, which is really fun, and it's all about like, hey, we're going to be the the beer. Uh, my brewery is called Ponysaurus in, in Durham. We're going to be the beer that admits our Mexican lager is made by white dudes. So, <laughs> so we're calling it in. Inauthentico and it's muy gringo. Uh, I've already, you know, but I've, I'm, I'm working on an EP right now with a band that I'm in and we're going to put that out in the summer. And I've just got, I've always got a million things going on. And I love that. Like that's, it's hard to, it's hard to nail down one project I have going on. I have about 10 things happening. So we're constrained by this format because I would pick up on a lot of things you've you've said. So we're going to move on. Constraints. We love them. We're going to unlock the bonus question, if we're because we're doing well, we're doing very well. So, uh, should creativity be taught as a skill in school? I think I think yes, but I, I would answer it this way: that I think creativity should be an orientation in school, and it should live everywhere because some of the most creative people I've ever met are mathematicians. You know, mm-hmm. um, they've got incredibly creative brains, and you can't be a great mat- mathematician or theoretical anything without it. Yeah, so, I think what. Um, what I see happening in sort of education everywhere, and this is nothing new, is that it's everything's rote and learning by getting through the next test and all of those things. And I don't know that we're really 
teaching people to be creative. Mm. No, I'd agree with you, absolutely. And that's a sort of consensus with other people I've interviewed on Jelly Trumpet. Now, this is another question I love asking uh, and wondering what you're gonna come up with. And that is, if a 10 year old asked you, what one thing would make me more creative, what would you reply? I would say, don't be afraid to be stupid and goofy. Okay. Bring that forward and always live in that sort of goofy, fun, weird world that you're in right now as a 10 year old, because that can go away. Brilliant, thank you for that. So uh, question 12, how can a listener get in touch with you? Man, I'm on all the social channels. I'm on the LinkedIn and the, the Facebook and the Instagram and the, and the things. Um, um, you can also uh, find me at uh, Baldwin and uh, go to baldwinand.com. That's A-N-D, not the ampersand. Baldwinand.com, you can get me there. So I'm, I'm, I'm all over the place. I'm Google, Google me. Google you. I'm around. Google you. And, and everything would be nice, won't it? Everything about you would be good <laughs> and wholesome. Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> all right. So that, that comes with a content warning, everyone. All right. So you, you, David, you unlocked the bonus question. Awesome. We're going to ask you, what's something no one knows about you? Something no one knows about me is uh, my third stepfather married my third stepmother. Ooh. Ooh. How's that? How's that for something crazy? Is that widely known in North Carolina? Uh, <laughs> I don't know how many people know that. <laughs> That's a nice little secret for your uh, for your audience. Yeah, my third step. My parents both died, and my oh, parents, my the the three in, they got married. Wow. Probably. Yeah, that was some craziness right there. Well, craziness, but you, you, you've survived and you're getting on with stuff. So that, you know, that's made yeah. you more creative, I presume. Right. <laughs> Didn't so hurt. We, I think we've done very well. And Mr. B is going to be happy with me because he hasn't got much to edit. I don't think we've had any fluffs or any cat screaming or anything like that. So I would like to say to you, David Baldwin, it's been lovely and wonderful. And thank you very much for being a guest on Jelly Trumpet. Oh, hey, what a pleasure. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. It's been great talking to you. where Nigel is. If you could just take one pace to your left, Jim. Of course. That hit the spot. <laughs> My danglers. I'll just adjust the angle. Let, now let's see if this is the bullet of truth. Preparing to fire. Test Jim. You know, ask him. You know, for the truth of something. Okay, right Jim. Jim, are you a good writer? Oh, well, you know, I have, I have my moments. I think, well, with some practice, I, I could be. Perhaps that's a bullet of evasion. You're right. C-Mac, reload. No, please. Fire. <laughs> right on the tum-tum. Ask him again. Jim, are you a good writer? I won a BBC writing competition. Well? He was a runner-up. A little lie. Continue. But ah, it was only a little lie. Reload. Wait. Fire. I hurts. Sometimes the truth does hurt. Jim, are you a good writer? I have my moments. Why are you two looking at each other like that? No! Half-truth. Half-truth. I'm leaving! Turn around. Face the bullet of truth. I'm a writer. Oh, my ass! Finally. Finally. The truth. Enemy approaching. Let us leave. And get our podcast back. Now it's time for Ways of Sin. My Piers Morgan is tingling. Ways of Sing! 
you ever tried to be another person? Have you ever tried to view yourself as others may see you? Try it. Think back to a conversation you can mostly remember. Replay the conversation in your head. Only you are the other person. Now, would you have said something else? Would the ending of that conversation be different? If you're a writer, you're usually going to write with some bias, like writing a clever retort. What if you now wrote that conversation from the other point of view? Would the other person have their own retort? If you're in digital marketing and you've written a campaign, become the person you are addressing. What are the objections? Now you have the objections or frictions, you can write a retort for each. Now, where were we? Oh yes, trapped in a Japanese computer game. The score? Jelly Trumpet Nil, Warriors of Hope 1. Plus, we're missing Nigel the Sniffer Squirrel, and I've been assaulted by a coffee machine. Hmm, what else? Well, Mr B, if this game goes on any longer, the Germans will win on penalties. The Germans? Nice people, great sausages. Oh yes, great sausages. Enough! That's them! She says, that's Nagito, and he's a bit crazy. Bagels! Okay, no one mentioned the bagels we found. That's the starter motor! Where? Nagito is holding it. What's he doing with it? He appears to be using it to fling bagels at people. Must be the stale ones. Send in C-Mac. Righto! Set two bullets of lies. Firing! Moton, get the starter motor. Uh... Alert! We're running out of bullets! Oh, le café sur le bagels. Pouring! Bagels! I've got it! The crazy one has got Jim! Merde! He's gonna throw Jim off the roof! No, no, no! He'll never survive the fall! No, 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 not le moton! I love... Finn. Finn? But we're not finished yet. Finn is short for Vanola, his daughter's name. Je vois. Simac? Out of bullets! Out of coffee! No! Michel! Good boy! Get in there! Jim, you're safe! But we lost Nigel. Nigel sacrificed himself for me. A noble squirrel. Well, we have the starter motor. Now let's go home. Kotoko says the podcast is on the third floor. What are you doing, Mr B? Looking for Nigel. He's gone. He's gone, Mr B. The noble Nigel is no more. Get C-Mac. Let's get back to the podcast. Time for Jim's medicine. Okay. Play the Jim's Medicine we recorded earlier, C-Mac. Tales from Jim's Medicine Journal. Sometimes saying stuff out loud can change one element of a piece, and that change is a winner. Most writers know this. You should read your prose, your dialogue, out loud. Then you know if a performer will have a problem. You want dialogue to flow. Think of the minute changes you make to a piece theatre, marketing campaign, painting, knitting, performance, etc. And the biggest impact you can make from a tiny change. I wrote some scenes for a play with two policemen on surveillance duty. The premise, or as I like to think of it, the game, was one of escalation. So they didn't just chomp on donuts, but had a seven-course meal, starting with a amuse-bouche, you know, an appetiser, starters, a main, dessert, etc., finishing with cheese and biscuits, all while they had a villain under surveillance. I read it out loud and I thought it was a great idea. What small change could I make that would make a big impact? I went for the first thing that came into my head. One of them, the slightly lower status one, would have a Scottish accent. That worked. Didn't have to change the dialogue or the game. It was funnier. Not sure why exactly, but that minor change made major laughs. Try it. Make a minor change to a project for a big payoff.
starter motor fitted, Mr. Jim. Good work, Mr. B. Let's all get back inside the podcast where we belong. What? What the hell is that? What is it, Mr. B? Something's triggered the podcast self-destruct button. Oh, no! Wait, why does the podcast need a self-destruct button? Just a precaution, you know, if we get overrun by the comments section of the Daily Mail website. Oh, fair enough. Morning! Morning! Everyone inside, Mr. B? Turns the self-destruct button off. Not on. While Mr. B does that, you can do your list of the week. Oh, right Are you sure? We. Oui. List of the week! This episode, 10 amusing things to do with Piers Morgan on a summer's evening. Number one, roll him in butter and offer him to a litter of puppies. Number two, dunk him in tea. Is it better than a fake tan? Number three, holding down the edge of the tablecloth as it's a bit breezy. Number four, a card against humanity. Number five, bend over for a minute, Piers, need somewhere to park my bike. Number six, an extra seat for the fire pit. Number seven, Hold a torch at the bottom of the garden and see how many moths he can catch. Number eight, someone to run after the ice cream van. Number nine, mmm, taste the burger. Number ten, I need you to talk to the Uber driver so I don't have to. Self-destruct sequence aborted! You switched it off with seconds to spare. Shh! is moving under Her Majesty's cloak rack. Send in Seaman? No, too noisy. We must move slow. We surround, we jump. On three. One, two, three. Gotcha! It's Nigel! Oh, mon cher chevalier! Nigel, but how? I think that we're forgetting that first, Nigel is a homing squirrel. Second, he's used to jumping great heights. And three, he always lands lightly on his springy paws. I remember now. Mr B, could you get a pair of scissors? Nigel appears to have some ribbons wrapped around his tail. Certainly, here. Not so fast, podcasters! Monokuma, but what, how, when, uh, why? You have ruined the game, and now vengeance will be mine! <laughs> you will all die by laser! What happened there? Wait, I know. Yes, because you wrote it. Kill? Well, in Jim's second draft, I cut off Monokuma's remote control aerial and rendered him harmless. Bon. Mr B, if you please, set course for St Alban. On it, Mr Jim! Jim's work offer. I've written lots of stuff. I have a play for five people, each wearing a different set of gloves. It's a short play, around 15 to 20 minutes. It's called Nightfell Five. So if you fancy a read and putting it on, drop us a line, jelly at jellytrumpet.com. Join us in further episodes and be more creative. Pick up tips and tricks you can put in the play instantly. Try exercises to boost your imagination. Listen to creative guests. And a whole lot of what we call fun. Thank you for listening. If you have any questions or ideas for Jelly Trumpet, email us. Jelly at jellytrumpet.com That was Jelly Trumpet, making you more creative with Jim Kinlock and Mr B. Sponsored by Conversion Detectives, the creative digital marketing agency. Search Conversion Detectives. Thank you for listening. Thank you for all those that encourage Jelly Trumpet. Thank you to Mr Tony for the voice work. Thank you to Miss Claire, the voice of Queen Eleanor and Mary the Entrepreneur. And thank you, Mr B and Kel. Stay fab.